I am unashamed. What about you? Welcome back to Unashamed Podcast. We're thinking Zach might uh, beam in. We never know these days, you know. Zach's getting to this place. So he's, you know, I don't know if it's his movie making or what, but he's he's, well, he's twenty four hours ago. He said he was in on this. Yeah, but now he's at an undisclosed location <laughs> doing undisclosed things because nobody's able to read. <laughs> we used to. He'd send me a text, you know, back in the day. Now. I I hear from our people who have heard from his people that, you know, here's what may be going down with Zach. Well, he actually sent me a text, but it was an article that about treasure hunting. And he's like, This is this is this is getting real. So I was he didn't know, but I was familiar with the article because supposedly some boys they found some Civil War gold, coins and all, you know, in in a field. So in an effort to do the right thing, it was so much of it, and we're talking about millions of dollars. In an effort to do the right thing, you know, they called the authorities because they thought, here's this piles of hidden gold. and So the FBI shows up, and they said, well, y'all, you know, y'all leave because we're going to, undergo an investigation so they wouldn't let them hang around well the next thing you know they can't get access the guys who found the stuff and it's been going on for months so now the people who found it they're accusing the fbi of of stealing it because now why am, no, I, why am i not shocked <laughs> i'm not either <laughs> so the fbi said no no there was no gold they we have found no signs of it and the guys are like oh no we saw it we called y'all so it's kind of one of these he said you know we said type of type of uh deal so but i'm pretty sure the fbi is gonna win <laughs> And so, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm familiar. But what's funny is when he sent me that article, we're right below it, the link that he sent me, which I know that's hard for you to lap your, uh, wrap your head around, Phil. There was another article that I thought was a little more interesting because it said man arrested at local church because he tried to baptize himself. So I thought, well, let me see what that's about. So when I clicked on it, he tried to baptize himself. Well, that's what the what do you call it? That's what headline. The, the headline was. But as you as you read the story, so I turned around and sent that back. I clicked on it and sent that back to Zach. Yeah, I said I find this more interesting. <laughs> and uh, and so Zach was like, "What in the world?" I mean. That's crazy, you know. Cause, but Zach didn't read the article. Uh, he did. He he clickbaited it. He only went off yeah, the headline. I said, "Well, you got to read the why article." Don't you go ahead and read the article like I did on the one you sent me <laughs> before you jump to conclusions on what that meant. So the guy does eight thousand dollars worth of damage breaking into the place, and then when they interviewed him, he said once he got in there. And then done, done all this damage. He felt somebody lead him to baptize him and uh, and push him under the water. He's like, it, and so he kind of had a had a story here. He's like, somebody baptized me that was invisible. 
But the key phrase next was that uh, crystal meth and drug paraphernalia uh. was found on this guy. So I'm like, okay, well, I've put all the pieces together. This was not about a guy trying to baptize himself. This was a guy high on crystal meth who broke into a church. Church to steal to, some stuff. To steal some stuff. Couldn't figure out how to get out because he was high. And then he thought, well, if I baptize myself, they'll have to forgive me. <laughs> and now I'm appealing for forgiveness. And that they made a story about it, and there it was. So, But <laughs> I told well, them. I baptized one yesterday. I hope that, 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 that wasn't their beef. <laughs> He may have been the second real. Would you tell that story about it? Rise with the old Delmar on the old brother were out there when he got baptized, and he yeah. said, I, "He said he told me I was forgiven for that bank job I did up in Yazoo City. I thought you said you didn't do that. Well, I, I lied it. and I'm baptized for that too." Yeah, I love that old guy. He said he walked down into the baptistry pool, and and I looked. He was coming down the stairs, coming into the water. And he said, you mind if I take my shirt off? And I said, no problem. And and he took his shirt off. He was tatted up. He's like that movie. The, the guy said, I don't know whether to meet him or read him. Yeah. <laughs> but he had a lot of, he had a, he was solid tattoos. Yeah. I thought, hmm, I just, it just stood out. But he wanted that to be seen, I guess. Well, he, I guess he just felt like he'd gone to all that trouble. He might as well just lay yeah, that in there too. I think so. It reminds me of old, uh, our old buddy Taylor, who's uh, he was coming from California to Florida for a new job opportunity. He's a stunt man, and uh, he listens to the podcast. I know he'll hear this, and he wanted to get baptized, and so we baptized him. But it was it was still pretty cold. It was like late February, and uh, I said, "Well, you want to you know put something on kind of warm?" Or he said, "Oh no, no, I'm good." So when he comes out, it's just me, you, and Dan there. He's got nothing but his skivvies on. Yep. And I was like, are you sure, man? Because I'm telling you, this this water, he said, oh, no, I'm going in. I'm like a newborn baby. It wasn't quite all the way, but it was, he didn't have much. And uh, it was, I said, it's going to be cold. He came up out of that water yelping. I said, is that because of cold or the Holy Spirit? He said, I'm fired up to be a new brother. So it was pretty funny. You know, you never know. Yeah. He's doing good, though. I stay in contact with him. He's He's following the Almighty, so that's good. So unfortunately, I can't solve those two cases, but I'm pretty sure the guy who's being baptized. So were, were the articles linked? Like, what was the? No, it was just like the next the, article. Okay, okay. You know, it was the next one in the hot. I was trying to figure out what the meth had had to do with the. Well, it was just you read this. This might interest you, right? Which I didn't see the connection, but. They did. So did the guys sue the government? Have they sued the FBI over the Oh, thing? yeah. That, it's an ongoing battle. You know what's sad is there would have been a day when you wouldn't have even thought twice, oh, no, these guys are crazy because the FBI. But there's been so much happening in the last, like, eight to ten years with the FBI, and now everybody's like, you're not mm. sure. I mean, like, used to be, I would always say, oh. It, it does seem a little far-fetched that they would just make this up. Yeah, that, that you know. Now look, the the authorities are saying, "Hey, they're making it up. It ain't there." And at one time, yeah. I would have said, "Yeah, these the FBI is not going to lie about me." Now I'm like, I don't know. There's been some lying. I mean, going you're on. talking about millions of dollars right. involved. So what is so? Tell me this then. You're you're because you're the 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 uh, guy that does this now. What what was what should they have done? Like. 
did they do the right thing? And maybe to, if they did, if it's assuming what they say is true, was I mean, what, what really, is the protocol for what should they have done? They had permission to you be know, what's there. What's crazy is is if they'd have been in in Europe, you know, England is the most liberal place for treasure hunters in a good way. You you can go hunt anywhere as long as you turn it in to the government. Okay. And they will give you the money value of whatever you find. So they so, want it so they can have it for prosperity. But well, it's the, older. You know, yeah. England's a lot older than America. So they're like, we want the stuff. So but we'll have pay, at it. But we'll pay you for finding it. If you try to haul it out of here without letting us know. That's actually a good you know, way. We're going to gonna throw you in prison. I love, I, I love their procedure. Right. So, because what are you going to do with it anyway, except just have it in America? It's more about the landowner, whoever owns the land, you work out a deal. So, where the guys who supposedly found the gold, you know, if they contacted the authorities, to me, that's where they messed up. They, they should have just worked it out with the landowner. That's it. I think, in an effort, never bring the government in on it, yeah, exactly, because right. they didn't have to if, if the landowner. You make out a deal with him. Now, maybe there's more to the story. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't really believe a lot of what you read. No, exactly. Half right. of what you read about me on the internet is just absolutely false. Or so, dad, yeah. So you can't, you get, you have to. You're probably not getting the whole story. I get so upset because there's somebody almost every day that I encounter people that come to me and say, oh, do you hear about what happened? And then they tell me some news story they read on the internet. And I'm like, well, how do you know that's true? And they're like, well, why would they make it up? I said, well, they make up half the stuff on me about that. Why would they do that? That's They're right. like, oh, that's not true? Like, no. no. I mean, and, and just crazy things. Yeah. So I don't know why people in America, for some reason, a lot of people think that what everything they read on the Internet is true. And yeah. it's just absolutely false. There's even commentaries about the Bible on there that just couldn't be any further from the truth. That's exactly. you know, somebody just there's stuff in the encyclopedias and all that. It's just false. I'll be on the road somewhere and and they'll say, you know, I'm worried about your dad. And I said, what? Why are you worried about dad? Then they tell me some story, and I was like, well, that's not true. They're like, well, I read that, and I was like, yeah, but it's. I'm, I, I was just with him yesterday. That's it's not. You're, what you read, he doesn't have brain cancer. Trust yeah. me. It's well, like, I've had people come up and say, well, you know, look, I've forgiven you. And uh, I'm like, do I know you? And they're like, well, I sent you 15 Facebook private messages and you never responded. I said, I had been on Facebook in five years. so And I wouldn't even know how to click on a private message. So whatever you thought that relationship what kind of goes in with what we're talking about. You're you're sending a message to a person that's not there. That's not prayer. That's not a relationship. That's just you believing in something that doesn't exist. I had a guy come up to me Sunday after I preached and he said, "Yeah, I thought I said, boy, no, Al, he's preaching. He said he read old and he mentioned a guy's name post on Facebook. He said you've been reading that what that guy's been saying now." And I said, "I'm not on Facebook. I don't I don't know what you're talking about." He said, "Well, I figured you were just responding to him." I said. Let me just let me tell you how it works with me and preaching. I don't preach to respond to anybody about anything. 
I yeah. take a text and I preach that text. If 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 what I said goes against what you've been reading on Facebook, then that's somebody else's problem. Has to, but I mean, in his mind, he was thinking, "Yep, oh wow, he's decided to deal with this brother." And I'm like, "No, that's not the way I've ever approached preaching. I, I don't shoot from people from the box." Yeah. So you got what's fake, and then you got what probably happened in like those two stories. You can kind of figure it out just common sense. I do think the treasure thing is a little bit harder to wrap your head around because it even though we don't and i hope it's not true i hope that what it seems to be is not true because that would be terrible if it was yeah that that would happen to somebody but i've always wondered jace because you know it's out there like i'm not surprised that this would happen and i hope sometime it'll happen where you can actually see it because you know that people have buried gold and stuff oh the america's a big place and we've had a lot of stuff oh. going on for well, the last a month ago somebody There's a lot of stuff buried in the ground I, exactly. I shared this about a month ago you know some farmer in kentucky i mean he just he he unearthed hundreds of coins i think it was 850 coins or whatever and they're all gold coins from the Civil War era, worth millions of dollars. A couple of the coins he had were rare, and uh, they were worth millions by themselves. But, you know, he just gathered them up. That was without a metal detector. Of course, then he, I think he took some of the coins and went and bought him every <laughs> metal detecting device. He's, he's probably now the biggest. He scoured metal. the landscape after <laughs> well, that. I mean, he's the largest know. metal detector in the state of Kentucky, though. That was obviously some buried loot. Yep. yep. That you know his disc happened to hit, and hey, that's, was, right. that's why land. You know, we went through a period of stagecoach and traveling and hauling. Oh, uh, so well, the, and, the possibility of unearthing something rare is still there. Oh yeah. You keep this up, and you're gonna come out there and go metal detecting <laughs> with me. I, I see the allure. It's like, and you're on the coast. Like I'm down the coast. You think about the pirates and. You know, the booty of the pirates and burying it in the cave over here. And I mean, you just think that it's out there. I mean, oh, I was, you know, we went uh, a few weeks ago and I was with a guy who found a gold coin out, I mean, from the 1800s, you know. Yeah. Boy, you talking about go nuts. I mean, just think about that. You find a gold coin that's been buried for a couple hundred years that's worth a lot of money. I yeah. mean, oh, it, yeah. that's just one. I can't imagine finding 850 of them. Yeah. Lisa and I were at the beach, and then here comes a guy, beep, beep, beep. But it was all like pop tops and uh, aluminum can stuff. Well, the problem with the beach is you're not just the way the silt works. You're you're not going to find anything real old unless you're in a place that's you know that's not silting it which they're, they're more looking for way. rings and stuff oh, that yeah. people well, lost you can find, last week. You know, I mean, the last year I went on the beach and. I had my detector because I was going with somebody else, but I was just kind of didn't have anything else to do getting in the mood. I bet I found 50 coins. Now, they were all modern. Yeah. I'm saying in less than an hour, I found 50. So, I mean, you can go buy a couple of Happy Meals or whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> At least pay so, for your lunch. So it's there. That's right. I mean, I proved it. It's just. Have you heard about people finding rings and stuff and all that which is pretty cool let's uh, let's take a break so we can't help but talk about the heat uh i I don't know dad has there been a hotter summer in louisiana in your memory i've never gone through one this hot 
Ever. I mean, it is it has been triple digits for almost the entire summer, and it's just been kind of hanging with us. And one of the ways you realize that it's so hot is if you do anything outside, right? If you get out of that air conditioning, you, you figure it out pretty quick. One of the places you're going to notice it right off the bat is your underwear. I hate to bring it up, but it's true. Uh, you get into some sticky situations uh, if you have the wrong underwear. And so we use Tommy John underwear. Uh, because they're breathable, they're lightweight, they have a moisture-wicking fabric, they have four times the stretch of competing brands, and they don't ride up, which is a great blessing, especially when you're in the heat. Uh, they've sold over 20 million pairs, and uh, they have thousands of five-star reviews. They say that they don't have customers, they have fanatics, and uh, I've been one for a very long time, even before they began sponsoring our podcast. So love these guys. They've got a best pair you'll ever wear or it's free guarantee. So you have nothing to lose to so give them a shot. Try them out. Get 20% off your first order right now at tommyjohn.com slash Phil. That's 20% off at tommyjohn.com slash Phil. See their site for details. All right, well, that's interesting, Jace. We'll have to get Zach's take on that next time, if we ever find him. I, I'm sure he'll emerge uh, at some point. But Well, true treasure, you know, we're always on our, our TV show because treasure has various definitions and meanings, and but there's a lot in the Bible about treasure. And I think one of the most underrated treasures is that God has given us access to him through Jesus. And so I always think about that Romans 5. You know, we've been given access to the throne yeah. of, of heaven right. and to God, our Father. And so I do think, I, I told you what I think. Now you have, this is mentioned twice. You have Matthew 6. I think I feel like we ought to read yeah. at least the prayer in Matthew 6. What was the text about, you know, he found, the, somebody's found some kind of treasure and he and he bought the whole thing. Oh, I love that. Even this Jesus yeah. as, a, as a treasure hunter. Yeah, yeah. You, you just buy the he, whole field. You buy the whole field because he just wants to live there. That's that it. is talking about Jesus and the radical nature of of discovering who Jesus is. Yep. I mean, you find him, and you just sell everything you have, buy the field, and live there. I mean, that yep. is that is a depiction of the relationship. And your response to Jesus. And it is interesting that I didn't think about it until you just said that, Jason. But it is treasure if you just get to looking at the definition of treasure. It is. But you, what's interesting you, is— Because we've run up on it here. Jace mentioned the two ways of looking at it. The, the Brits look at it from a more socialist point of view because that's their government, that the government, everything belongs to them. And so they are willing to pay, which is good, but that they're the government— but in America, it's the landowner, which interestingly enough, Jesus' parable says the land, whoever owned that land had rights to that treasure because you go and buy the land. So Jesus actually was, it sounds like. Well, that me, came from the founding father there. That's right. Yeah, that's Matthew. And maybe that's why they thought of it. Matthew thirteen forty four: The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Of course, then he says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Yeah. But the land, 
That's true. But it's like when you find something, which is what we do on a weekly basis, you're just trying, you're looking for one thing. Plus, once you find the, the one, is, yeah. once you find the one thing, you know there's other things in yeah, the area. So that's why was you there. would buy a field because you're like, oh, it's I found the X. Yep. Which is the same principle. Yep. Even as old as the Bible writings are, they do bring that up as far as humans are concerned. They do. I mean, the, the worth of, you say, well, you're spot on. But you, um, meant, you, you mentioned the founders. They had the wisdom. They knew we had a big parcel of land here and some people willing to go out. And you know what they said? You go out there and homestead it. That land is yours. You, you own that now. Yep. And so if you make something of yourself, collectively we'll be a, a a country, yep. but that was pretty smart because you look at that. We it's went from one end to the other. Well, it's it, a it still holds, but it's like Jay said: if you get the government now and buy, yeah. they weren't there a couple hundred years ago, right? And you want to go back and say yeah. you took it from those people and that people? Yeah, so it gets into. Some... I mean, who knows what that story? But still, it's a sign. Even even the story, you know, about the guy baptized himself. You know, there. I told Zach, I was like, "There's a there's a lesson in here somewhere." Somebody asked me, by the way, Jay. It's a reminder, though, that these people, I mean, our world is in need of a Savior. I mean, that that is the lesson here. When you got somebody breaking in, his own (laughs) drug, trying to steal your stuff, and then he's baptizing himself. I mean, there's something, you see some spiritual warfare that's not very far from your door. That's right. I guarantee you. So in Matthew 6, now he, they, Matthew just has, you know, when you pray, it within the Sermon on the Mount, right? He he what? he had a lot. Of, when Luke did that version of that, it was a lot more condensed. But Matthew includes this in this, so it's, which I think most scholars agree. You know what we call the Sermon on the Mount. They just took a collection. That's right. Of things he here's said. what Jesus had to say about this. Yeah. So in verse five, it says, "And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray." standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go in your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And you remember a couple podcasts ago, I made a big illustration about, I'd, I'd read that somewhere where someone said, you know, the true religion Besides the James passage, you know, helping widows and orphans, are, it's what you do in your solitude. Because if you're not busy, you have nothing to do. You're just sitting there. What you think about during those moments are usually what's most important to you. Yep. Because there's no distractions, and whatever you're thinking about, that's what's most important. And when you read something like this, if you find the Lord in that in your solitude. Then you don't feel the need to have to be so busy mm-hmm. in contrast also. And that's why I said when you when you look up on the internet things to keep yourself busy, they they've come up with so much frivolous stuff and that's why social media and all this stuff is so attractive because people don't want to be left alone to think, especially those who don't have a relationship with God, because then it becomes scary. Yep. It becomes self-absorbed. And so you read something like this, you, there's a piece here that you have a relationship with this invisible being, you know, through Jesus. And that's really what prayer is, is this, you, 
being honest with yourself and your soul and your desires, and you're giving that to God and asking for his will in your life. It is the greatest component of prayer. That's why it's talked about so much and so much by Jesus Mm -hmm. is the reflective nature of it and the idea that I'm removing myself from noise to connect with the Almighty. There's there's a power to that. Yeah, it is. So verse 8 of Matthew 6 really, I think, does tie in to the same as Luke's account because it says, do not be like them, because he had said they go on babble. They babble and go on. Yeah. For your father, here's the key phrase, knows what you need before you ask him. So the skeptic would say, well, why do we have to ask him? Then why don't he just give it to him? And you're missing the the sonship, the father-son relationship, the family of God, all these references we keep bringing up, which is what Luke, is bringing up and here Matthew the same way. You're missing the relationship aspect of what the Lord is. He didn't just give us a rule book. He didn't say, do this, uh, keep the law, and if you keep it pretty well, you know, I'll bless you. All these things religion come up with. He didn't say all that. This is about a being who is loving. He wants relationships with his creation, with human beings, and he wants it to last forever, you know? It, it, that's that's the way he designed this. Right. For, forgiveness is a powerful thing. Oh, no doubt. It's a powerful thing. Well, which he is, gets to that. Which is why he's going to add that in here. Yeah, so right? he says, this then is how you should pray. And I love Matthew's verse because it says, our Father. It's not even a yeah. you know, selfish thing. And we, we realize the family is bigger than me, and God desires all of us to be his children forever in heaven hallowed be your name which is hallowed you know set apart holy different from the world i'm just giving you different definitions of that word your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and and that's such a powerful statement that we'll talk about because god's coming kingdom that has been the point of Luke 1 through 9. The yep. kingdom is coming. John the Baptist said it. Jesus said it. The kingdom is near. It's at hand. It's over and over and over and over. The kingdom is coming. He sent people out to say, what, what are they preaching? The kingdom is at hand. The king is here. So it's for the first time since Jesus was here, you, you're getting the possibility of heaven coming down to earth. That's right. Which is amazing when you think about that. And the that. prayers to be able to submit to that. Let's take another break. Yeah. Give us, verse 11, today our daily bread, which I think ties into the Mary and Martha situation also. Mm-hmm. Uh, forgive us our debts. So here's the, the need for a pardon, because think about it. Ultimately, that's what Jesus gave us all. Well, you know, was a part. There's a debt we we owe. Someone is someone has to pay for the sins we commit and the mistakes we we made. There's a debt. So he's like, forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. Which Jesus's death on a cross, the ultimate pardon, became our catalyst for us to be able to forgive others because we're yep. seeing it in that light. And by the way. Luke used the word sins and the word debt here is Matthew, but it makes sense because Matthew writing to a more Jewish audience, they understand the atonement 
for sin concept. So that's, I mean, they, they knew what that meant. He wasn't talking about money. Well, right. He and he, in Matthew's version, he kind of explains it more in 14 and 15. Right. But so, so 13 says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your fa- heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men with their sins, your father will not forgive you. And look, that, has become a bit hard for some people to wrap their head around. But if you don't really acknowledge that God's plan of salvation through Jesus on the cross for your forgiveness, you don't have the basis to forgive. The capacity. That's so you're just might say that to use as a, as a pawn, but that's where true forgiveness comes from. Yeah. So, it's not a, you're exactly right. I'm glad you clarified that. Cause a lot of people see that as kind of a, we would call it a quid pro quo. In other words, if if I have to forgive people or else God's not going to forgive me, as if somehow it's a it's the burden of, you know, only wanting what God's going to give me. But I think your take is right. It's more of a capacity. If I can't forgive other people, I can't accept the forgiveness of God. Yeah, it's kind of like... I last, get embittered, you yeah, know. Yeah, it's kind of like last podcast. We were talking about marriages and all. And, I, you know, I get involved in these situations and you give people advice and you're like, you know, because a lot of times I'll be talking to the guy and, you know, Missy's talking to the girl. Yep. So I'm talking to the guy and I'm like, look, you know, you need some need some serious counseling here. You, you, you got, and a typical response will go, well, if I get counseling, then that may be used against me if, you know, a divorce does happen. Because they're like, why were you getting counseling? And I'm like, this is not the basis <laughs> <laughs> where reconciliation can take place. If you're only going to say you're sorry, you can't say you're sorry because then that means there's something I was sorry for. I'm admitting, can be, I'm admitting I did something wrong. Yeah, which now can be used against me in a court of law. And so it's so frustrating because you're like, you don't see how it's possible for reconciliation. And that's I think it. in the same vein, that's what Matthew is capturing in that what Jesus said. It's like, if you've got all this worked out in your mind on how this is going to make you look good, yeah. you're not going to be a forgiver and you're not going to be forgiven. That's right. It's just not going to work. There, there's nothing, uh, you know, self-promoting about you falling on your knees and saying, I'm sorry, I've screwed up, I'm an idiot. And right. yes, people w- will take advantage of that. Right. They will view that as weakness or view it as you being a sinful person. But in reality, I mean, look at what Jesus did right. for us to, to pay for that. I think he got the worst end of that. Yeah, we've had people come to us before, and the process has already begun for divorce, and so they're, they're, they're under varying um, you know, rules of the state of Louisiana you know, you can't do this and there's a restraining order here and there's this, there's that. And they come in sometimes together, but usually it's just a person that says, well, we need you to help us. And I'm always like, look, I'm just going to be honest with you. I do my best work in trying to restore people both to God and to each other. Once we get the state of Louisiana involved, I'm pretty much at a loss for being able to help you anymore. I, I want you to know God still loves you, but I'm more into the trying to help you kind of get this thing reconciled. So, all right, and it's it's a challenge. Yep. So in Luke's version, you know, it's it's basically the same, but 
I do think it's coming off this story of Mary and Martha, which I really do not think that he did this by accident. No, it's purposeful. This is very purposeful. It's really going to help you understand prayer when you look at Mary at the feet of Jesus and Jesus bragging on her about that and Martha being too busy, doing good things, but relying on her ability rather than even this simple statement, give us each day our daily bread. You know, she's she's get got, she has to get all the stuff together. And, yep. and, you know, there's a lot of prep. And, and look, he's not saying that stuff is not important, but it has to filter through what is the most important thing in your life. And it must be your relationship with God, your response to Jesus, and the Holy Spirit working in your heart. It just, ha- yep. that, that has to be, seen in everything you do, whether it's a banquet or your normal routine of life. This is just what we can't do in the in our church attendance is think that's that's what he's called me to do. Show up at a church building a couple times a week. You know, that what there, there's no relationship in that. Right. Anybody can attend a concert. And I do think it's interesting, Jay, the way the disciples asked him about this prayer. He, they said, Lord, teach us to pray, which you'd think they would have just could have stopped right there because of watching him because he we, several times he's withdrawn. They, thought it, would, oh, oh, they thought it would be a big... Well, but they add in, just as John taught his disciples, I just thought that was a weird way to ask Jesus about it. terrible. It, you know, because it's almost like, well, oh, you know, we're looking at those guys. And I wonder if it goes back to, remember when they got that little tap from the Pharisees? Like, why don't your disciples fast? Yeah. You know, like John's do and like we do. So it's almost like they're trying to please somebody other than Christ. I don't know. I just thought the way they asked that was kind of weird. Let's, let's take another break. You know, it's interesting. All You're right. If you go down through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, look at every time Jesus withdraws himself to pray, it, it's tons. A lot. A ton. And so that's why I said, if you really want to see where you're at in your faith and in your relationship, you, you need to go to the solitary confinement. And I'm bringing that up on purpose. You know, most people in our country, I read a poll somewhere that says, you know, 90% of people polled in America are against solitary confinement, which yeah. we they, it, it's going on in our prisons. Oh, yeah. Because they're like, oh, that's so cruel. And and look, it, it is. But my point is the reason that makes you uncomfortable is because that's really where you get down to what's going around in your heart. Well, if you're not, you know, don't have a relationship with God, I'm sure it is terrible. But Jesus, he seemed to welcome solitary confinement because that's where he... That's really, really where his true character came out, because he's pray, he has a relate. He is God, you know. He has this. The Apostle Paul spent a lot of time fulfilling what Jesus is saying there. He he experienced it. Yeah. And by all along, I mean, locked down. You talking about solitary confinement? Well, that's what. Well, and even Paul, and even in Paul's is. case, right after he had his his you know, road to Damascus moment. Yeah. He goes out into the Arabian desert for three years. Yeah. And disappeared. And he I mean, had some serious alone time. He spent a long time, a, a lot you know, of time. Jace, it's funny because you say that I've got a guy that I worked with years ago and he had gotten into some bad stuff and he got arrested 
and he wound up having to go to jail for a year. And because he had been in law enforcement, he had to spend 23 hours out of every day in protective, they call it protective custody inside the jail, which meant he was by himself. And, you know, he told me it saved, that saved his soul because we had already started working before he went in, but he said, you want to do some self-reflection? You spend a year, 23 hours out of every day, a year, just you and the almighty and reading his Bible and stuff I was sending him. And he came out of there a completely different man. And now that's been probably 15 years ago. He, he has ch- completely changed his life, but he said that time I spent that 23 hours a day shaped me because there was nowhere to go. I couldn't hide from myself. I can see the power of it. It was very powerful. I mean, well, was- just to make the point to reiterate it, to go back to Matthew, you know, in six in Matthew six, four, when you give, it says, you know, your giving should be done in secret so that your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Well, in six, six, it says, when you pray, you know, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When it gets to fasting, same thing. Verse 18, the unseen father who sees what is done in secret. I mean, when the Bible is constantly repeating itself in the same chapter, you you need to highlight that. Yep. So I'm not just... I didn't read this out of a book somewhere. I know that you're, whatever you're doing in secret by yourself with God or whatever you're thinking, that that's usually what's most important in your life. And so you got to address that right off the top. Stop being so busy. Take a time out and say, because a prayer, you know, you can have the prayer like the Pharisee where you're just babbling on, but it's not an intimate secret. The, the prayers I'm trying to bring up are those when you're by yourself or just thinking or it's you and God. And I think that's what he's addressing here. So he tells his disciples in verse 1 of chapter 11 of Luke, because they said, teach us how to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father or our Father, uh, what does this say? Yeah, our, our, fa- Father, our in Father in heaven. Which is kind of, you know, the, all those are going to have the same wording as Matthew because it, it would be in some manuscripts and not in others. So that's why you Well, yeah, when you see these little letters behind the name, so in the translation, you know, in English, they they have trouble with some of these. So they give you alternate phrases. So Father or our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. And we all... For we also forgive everyone who sins against us, which is similar to Matthew 6, Matthew's version. And lead us not into temptation, which I like Matthew 6, where it says, and deliver us you know, from the evil one. Right. So then, which unlike what Matthew did, he then kind of goes into the spirit of the, your attitude in the prayer through a parable. Because then he says... Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. So this seems a little weird at first. So so you got a person coming in, and you're out of bread, which is not unlike something I've done <laughs> in my neighborhood. And I go... To the next house and i guess if it was really important i would 
Yeah, we just go in, and I start looking around. Yeah. Uh, last time I did this, Jep, I didn't think anybody was at his house. You know, and then Jep came in. He's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm looking in your refrigerator." <laughs> 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 I think I was looking for some mustard. So then, verse seven says, "Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door's already locked, and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness or persistence is or uh, yeah, that's the other word persistence. He will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. So which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg... We'll give him a scorpion. And this is really profound. I know we've read this a few times. So then he says, if you then, though you are evil, <laughs> calls his disciples evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Mm. So there's a lot there. There's a lot. Uh, and he sort of breaks those his little, I guess you'd call it like parables, but stories, um, into two segments. One is the idea of being persistent and bold in the asking. And then the other one is the idea that, you know, God is going to provide. I mean, in his, he's always going to give you what you need, I guess is the way I've always looked at it. Not necessarily what you want, but what you need. I mean, because he says, you know, he uses that illustration. If you ask for something good, he's not going to give you something bad. Well, some some of the translations where it said boldness, yet because in verse 8 where it says, yet because of the man's boldness, uh, some of the versions say shameless audacity. Yeah. And I want to bring this up because it's actually the opposite of, you know, when you read, uh, where is it, Hebrews 12 where it says, to be reverent and, and in all. I may have to look that up. Uh, for our God is of, a consuming fire. Yeah, that's at the end of uh, Hebrews 12. Let's take our last break. So this word is almost like the opposite of that. Yeah, yeah, with reverence and all. Therefore, Hebrews 12, 28, since we are receiving a kingdom that can't be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably, acceptably wherever it's and all. So it's kind of a controversial word. It's like shameless audacity without embarrassment. But And it's not a contradiction, uh, as, as some of the scholars, they have trouble with this. Yeah. But it's in a context of father and children. And there is something... Uh, shamelessly audacious about kids with their requests. Yeah, we talked about and, and they don't they're not embarrassed. You know, kids will say anything. And so so I do think there's a spirit of that because he's trying to say, look, I want you to come to me to be blunt, to be persistent, to be cuz cuz the reason the guy gets up out of the bed in his story is cuz the persistence. So when you think about, it, you wouldn't go up to a door 
and and just go. Well, you know that may the people inside may say, well, a, a bird flew into the door, maybe, or something fell. Mm-hmm. You know, he's saying, I mean, or like a kid would do, which right. would be go up there and just like they're like, hey, they just get his in. attention. Right. You know, they're out there. And so I think that's the spirit of the prayer that, that he was saying, be, because you're so persistent and, and seeking is more than just, you know, looking up how to get somewhere or what, you know, seeking is actually, to put it in a treasure hunting light, I mean, I'm looking at old maps, we're looking at the history, I'm talking to people, I, when you're seeking treasure, you're using all means necessary (laughs) to find the best path forward and what's here. So I think that's the picture that he's given. No, I like it. And uh, it it reminded me of a story that Joe Beam tells in his book, Getting Past Guilt, about this kid who the, the, the dad had told the kid to feed the hunting dogs. And he comes home that night and he walks by the dog cage and dogs don't look like they've eaten. And he comes in and asks the son, he said, did you feed the hunting dogs? Did you feed the dogs like I told you to do? And the kid said, no, dad, I forgot. I'm sorry. And he said, no, look, when I tell you something, you need to do it. You know, those dogs got to eat. And he said, I'm so sorry. And he said, it's okay. Just, you know, do what I tell you. And so he said, next day he comes in and sees him sitting under a tree and he's all sad. And he's like, what's the matter, son? He said, well, I just... I just I didn't feed those dogs yesterday. I told you I was going to do it. I just I messed up. And he's like, well, I told you it was okay. And he said, eight years later, he graduated from high school. He's all sad and on his graduation day. And he said, son, what's the matter? And he said, I didn't feed them hunting dogs like you told me eight years ago. And I just feel bad about it. He said, son, I, I've forgiven you for that. Well, you can't hold on to that anymore. Five years later, he gets married as a kid. You're there. You're so excited. Your first grandbaby. He's all sad. You say, what is it, son? And he said, them hunting dogs. Just, <laughs> he said that, so he was, that Joe was telling the story in a counseling session he had with a man. And the man's looking at him because he couldn't get past something 25 years earlier. And he said, so what would you think about that? And this man who he was counseling said, I think he didn't believe his daddy. And he said, then you need to believe yours. And so I thought about that in the context of this. If your child has to believe you, but they also have to trust you enough to want to approach you. And I think that's part of what he's saying in this prayer is when you pray is because Jay's thing about you, you, you know, your kids are grown now and so are mine, but you now it's grandkids, but, you, you would never want them to feel like they couldn't approach you and ask you for anything. I mean, like, whatever was going on in their lives, you would want them to feel like they could come talk to you about it. Oh, I know. We just had, I don't know if I shared this before, but this just happened because uh, Missy was telling, you know, now our kids are asking advice. We're not giving it because that's, that, that's a bad idea when you're trying to raise your kids' kids. Yeah. You know, from... A thousand miles away or whatever but if they ask you know my wife or you know tell stories about with us but a funny story we can laugh now it wasn't funny then but <laughs> we can laugh about it she now. she was telling my oldest son she's like well you know you remember and, and my oldest son's wife you know they 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 just laughed and laughed about this but you know my oldest son was one because the the question came up of when do you start disciplining 
your kids because they have, I guess their oldest now is almost two. Almost two. And she's like, well, your dad, talking about me, oh, he started in between that 18-month and two-year. That That's where, and, and it wasn't that major, but it was like I'd sit them down in church and, you know, I'd just a little, a little pop. And so my oldest son, he pretty well got a pop every week for the next 17 years. I mean, it was just the way it was. But <laughs> he, he was pop worthy. But the middle son, uh, he only got one one day in church, but it was four times the same day. I was like, we're not doing this, you know, and yeah. I took him out. So I brought him back in. Oh, here, here we go again. Well, that it just made Missy mad that I did that four times. In, in one day, she was like, you know, I was changing his diaper, and I, it was just, you know, little red marks, and she was just like, but she she said to her and the, you know, my middle son who's almost two, she's like, your dad's, he's just being a jerk, you know. She was mad that I had whipped him yeah. four times, even though I never whipped him again. I mean, he got it, which turned out. I think it's I did the right thing. <laughs> he challenged me one day and he's, then said, he's "You know one what? Of the most well-behaved." Yeah, he's like, he never again. Yeah. But when she called me a jerk, well, what she didn't know yeah, is, didn't is well, my four-year-old, yeah, my that oldest didn't son, help the was cause. standing behind her and she didn't know it. Mm. And and he heard her say that. Of course, I had forgotten that story. Well, he ran and found me and he said, "Hey, Dad." He's like, "Yeah, he's four-year-old." So that mom just called you a jerk. For whipping coal. So I said, go tell her to come here. And he's like, why? And, and I said, jokingly, I said, because I'm fixed to give her a spanking. <laughs> <laughs> and they laughed. You know? And uh, But then I remember that part, because when she came down, I'm like, hey, you can't, you can't be can't question cutting, cutting my judgment here to our four-year-old, you know, and she did, because she didn't realize. Yeah. And look, she recognized that I shouldn't have done that. You know, I apologize. I mean, she she was completely apologetic because the fact that she just got busted for the first time. Because you now realize when you have small children, you got to watch what you say. <laughs> They're Because they'll go tattletale on you in a heartbeat, you know. <laughs> and so it, it worked out. Yeah. I hadn't either. Well, it, yeah, it was heard a good that story, story before, for her Jake. to tell them. I mean, we're just... We're all, yeah. you know, around the hood trying to figure out. We want these kids to grow up with some some character. And that, well, whatever anyone else says. Well, it did, and the Lord is good. But I, I just well. wanted to say, because look, it it used to bother me when people would get up, you know, and they start praying, and they they're like, "Daddy," and and real emotional, you know. And I thought, "Oh, come on, dude," you know. But I do think there's something there realizing. This was Jesus' idea to put this in a father-son relationship. But it's also, he does discipline those he loves. Even that Hebrews 12 passage that we read about reverence and all, you figure that out. Read the first part of that chapter. Yeah, if God doesn't, look, approve of the way you're responding to him, guess what? He'll he'll send you some discipline, and he'll get your attention real quick. So it's a combination of the, the both. We do, as we grow, we learn discipline and respect from God. But it is a relationship. We do pray with that unashamed audacity. 
uh, to the Lord. And he wants you to come. He wants you to be persistent. He he wants to have that relationship. And you really see that in, in Luke's And you have to trust that because they asked him how to pray. And this is what he's telling them. All right, we're out of time. We will talk a little bit more about this uh, prayer, the Lord's Prayer, uh, in our overtime segment. BlazeTV.com slash Unashamed is where you find that. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.